Hi, this is Pastor Matt, and I want to welcome you to our Blue Oaks Church podcast. At the end of this episode, feel free to download our Blue Oaks Church app, where you'll be able to access resources, events, and ways to get connected at Blue Oaks and in the community. The app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around Blue Oaks. Most importantly, though, I just hope that you enjoy this episode and it inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. We're starting a brand new series today called Come and See, because the story of Jesus is something you just got to see for yourself. In John chapter 1, Andrew meets Jesus and his world is turned upside down. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Uh, Philip meets Jesus and his world is turned upside down. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. Followers of Jesus for over 2,000 years have been bringing their friends and family members to a place where they can learn about Jesus. Come and see. You just gotta come and see. And when they do, amazing things happen. Well, today I wanna look at one of these come and see stories. Uh, It's in Mark 2, starting at verse 1. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. So if you grew up going to church, you've probably heard this story before. Uh, If you went to Sunday school, you may have heard the story told with a felt board. Uh, For those of you who are under 40, a felt board was like PowerPoint in the 1970s. Uh, For those of you who are under 20, PowerPoint is like Google Slides. (laughs) I want you to imagine for a moment what life must have been like for this man. I mean, imagine what it would mean to be a paralytic in the ancient world. It meant his whole world was a mat, about four feet wide and six feet long. It's where he lived. Uh, It's all he ever knew. Someone else had to feed him carry him, clothe him, uh, move him to keep him from being covered with bed sores, clean him when he soiled himself. I mean, that sense of independence that we prize so fiercely, he'd never know. 
There was nothing that could be done medically for him. Uh, there was no uh, surgeries or rehab programs or treatment centers. No hope, really, as far as he knew. There was no way for him to contribute to society. Like anyone in this man's condition would have to go through life as a beggar. He would have to be laid on his mat by the side of the road, day after day, month after month, year after year, dependent on whoever stops by and drops a few coins next to him. That's how he lived. I mean, maybe he would have dreams, and in his dreams he would have a healthy body. He would be able to walk and run. He would be able to do good work with his hands. Maybe in some of his dreams he would have children and be married, and then he would wake up and look at the ceiling of a room that he could never walk out of. Think about what that would be like. His body held him prisoner day after day. His mat was his whole world. He would never be free. He had no money, no job, no influence. He had what looked like not much of a future at all. But he had one thing going for him. I mean, he had one thing. He had friends. He had some amazing friends. And in one sense, this whole story takes place because of his friends. I mean, think about it. Without his friends, he never makes it to Jesus. Without his friends, he never gets healed. Without his friends, he never hears the word of forgiveness. I mean, all these things flow out of some very wise decisions he must have made at some point in his life to have great friends. I mean, devoted, loyal, committed, deep, joy-giving, life-bringing friends. And so I wanna walk through this story and I wanna ask you some questions about friendship. And ultimately, I wanna ask you to make a goal that what was true of this man's life would be true of your life as well. That you would devote yourself with God's help to, goal t- to cultivating great, life-changing, heart-shaping, character-forming friends. I'd like to ask you to do kind of an assessment. And if you're lacking these friends in your life right now, I'd like to ask you to begin pursuing them, starting today. And if you have friends like this, I'd like to ask you to look for ways to deepen those friendships. We need to understand that for the man in this story, the development of these friendships would not have happened accidentally. I mean, because of his physical condition, the deck was stacked against friendship ever emerging for him at all. I mean, even in our day, people who wrestle with disabilities often say that the most difficult obstacle they face are the attitudes of so-called normal people who are sometimes anxious about how to respond. Sometimes they're unkind. Sometimes they look the other way and avoid. Sometimes they're uh, uninterested in investing the time. I mean, this is a fast-paced world, and it's not a gracious place for those who can't run very fast. Parents of children with disabilities know the pain, not just of seeing their children struggle with certain tasks, but the pain of their children being ignored or gawked at or mocked by other children or total strangers. The pain of being thought of as different or less than. I wanna note something here. I mean, there was just something about Jesus. It wasn't just his power, but something about his attitude, something about his heart, something about his spirit that drew hurting people to him like a magnet. I mean, it was because they knew this was a man who honored them, which was unusual in the ancient world. The ancient world was not 
an easy place for people with disabilities. I mean, historians generally, generally believe that uh, Greeks regularly disposed of newborn infants with physical disabilities. I mean, that was the world in which this man was born into. But here's this small group of men who refused to let his physical condition keep them, keep them from being his friends. I mean, they're devoted to their friend. And then think about this paralyzed man, what he has to go through in order to be friends with these other men. I mean, he must have wrestled with feelings of being utterly dependent on them. I mean, just having them see him in his neediness day after day and week after week and month after month. I mean, he must have wrestled with being jealous of their independence and their having a kind of freedom that he would never have. He must have wrestled with uh, how they would always see him in his neediness. I mean, it's very vulnerable to have someone always carrying your mat for you. I mean, when someone carries your mat, they see you in your weakness. When someone carries your mat, you're vulnerable to them. When someone carries your mat, you, you might get hurt if they drop you. There's this gift between them, these friends, of trusting vulnerability and dependable faithfulness. I mean, it's a beautiful picture of friendship. Now, the first question I wanna ask you today is, who do you let carry your mat for you sometimes? Because you need someone to carry your mat for you sometimes. Who do you allow to see you in your weakness and your struggles? Because you need someone to see them. Who do you ask to hold you up in prayer sometimes? Because you need prayer support. Who do you let see your brokenness? Because someone needs to see it. Because if you choose never to be vulnerable, you choose never to have friends. You may have uh, companions or colleagues or associates, but not friends. When you have a friend, you let them carry you on the mat sometimes. You let them see you in your weakness. Uh, you open yourself up to them. And maybe you've never done this. And maybe you wonder why you're so lonely. You're gonna have to get vulnerable. Now you can't do this all at once. I mean, you have to be wise about this. You have to build trust over time. I mean, you start by making a small disclosure and then you evaluate, you see like, how do they handle it? Do they take it seriously? Do they treat it with care? Do they honor the confidentiality? Do they respond with wisdom? And if they do, then you go a little deeper. And if they respond with a disclosure themselves, then you can together go deeper. You know, if you're a small group leader, I wanna tell you that one of the most important things you can do is to model appropriate self-disclosure at times with your group. As it's appropriate, not every week, but as it's appropriate. If you're a small group leader, don't just go through the curriculum, don't just study the Bible, sometimes share your struggle, share your temptation, build a community of openness and vulnerability. Do you know how much the people in your group need to have deep relationships? Well, you have that opportunity to open that door if you as a leader are willing to model this and let someone else carry the mat for you for a while. If you want deep friendship, you cannot always be the strong one. And in our world, that can be a, a kind of a scary thing. If you want deep friendship, you can't always be the strong one. And if you want deep friendship, you can't live with deep secrets. You're gonna have to let someone carry the mat sometimes. 
Well, that's what happens here with these friends in Mark 2. Uh, this requires formidable character and intentionality on everyone's part. They have trust and dependability, and against all odds, they form a little community, this group. They become the carriers of the mat. And one day, Jesus comes to their town. Jesus comes to Capernaum. And these four guys find out that Jesus is in town. And naturally, they want to hear him. And one of them says, you know, we can't just go ourselves. We've got to get our friend there because this could really encourage him. And who knows, maybe the things that they're saying about Jesus are true. I mean, who knows, maybe this Jesus really can heal him. I mean, wouldn't that be something? But we've got to go. We've got to get our friend there. We've got to get the mat there. Now that's going to make it a lot harder for them logistically to get to him, but they're not thinking about themselves. I mean, they're thinking about their friends. Friends do that. Friends serve each other. Uh, so they tell their friend, he's going to see Jesus. They tell him they'll pick him up at nine o'clock and he doesn't have much choice because when they pick him up, they pick him up. And when they get to the home where Jesus says it's packed, uh, standing room only. In those days, there was not a whole lot going on in the culture. And so if someone uh, got something going at someone's house, word got around and people flooded there. And generally, homes were quite open. You know, the, the door of the home would be open in the morning and it would stay open throughout the day. It was a very hospitable culture. So if someone wanted to stop in, um, they would just stop in. If something was going on, everyone would want to find out what was happening. And this time, Jesus was happening and the place was packed. Mark goes to some length to describe this. He talks about how there's no room, uh, not only in the house, but there's not even enough room outside the door. People crowded outside the door to hear what's going on. Now imagine the frustration of these four guys. You know, Jesus is so close, right there, but they can't get through to him. They had been so excited, now they're shut out. And they just stand at a distance away and kind of watch what's going on for a while. And then one of them says, you know, we've got to figure this out. We've have, we have to figure out how we can get our friend to see Jesus. So let's have a brainstorming session. I mean, let's brainstorm some alternatives. And remember, when you're brainstorming, there's no such thing as a bad idea. And one of them gets an idea, probably the youngest guy, you know, he's kind of an out of the box thinker. He says, you know, I have this idea, let's make a hole in the roof and lower him through the roof. All right, anyone else have any ideas? Uh, but there are no other ideas. The hole in the roof idea is the only thing that they can come up with. And they realize it's kind of an unorthodox way to get in the room, but they're desperate. They're desperate to get their friend to Jesus. They just decide they will not let anything get in their way. I mean, no obstacle is gonna stand between them and Jesus. So strong is their trust in Jesus and so great is their love for their friend. They resolve that no obstacle is gonna get in the way. No barrier is gonna stop them. It's not acceptable. So they go with the hole in the roof idea. Now it was common in houses in Palestine in that day that they would have an outside staircase leading up to the roof uh, the roof, or at least parts of the roof, were often used as kind of a, a patio for people, and this guy must have had one of those. And so they go up on the roof and they start remodeling this guy's house. Now imagine this for a moment. Like, put yourself inside the house for a moment. 
I mean, Jesus is teaching and all of a sudden everyone looks up and there's a hole in the ceiling and it's getting larger as four hands are rooting around enlarging the hole. Imagine being the guy who owned the house. I mean, you agree to host this meeting and suddenly all like you're having a, a unscheduled skylight installed. And he calls the state farm agent to see if this is covered. And, you know, Jesus is here. Could this be considered an act of God? <laughs> now, those of you who are worried if this story is soft on vandalism, you ought to know that roofs in those days generally consisted of wooden cross beams that would support someone's weight. Uh, but then there would be kind of uh, a matting of reeds and dry branches and so on in between. And so these guys didn't need a jackhammer to do this. Um, this is an easily repairable deal. So they make this hole and they lower their friend. And I can imagine the paralytic saying to his friends, don't drop me. And his friends are like, don't worry, Jesus will heal you if we do. Uh, these guys are great friends. Uh, their only thought is, we've just got to get our friend close to Jesus. And that's what great friends do for each other. They help each other get close to Jesus. And we're going to talk more about that in just a moment. I love what Matt just said about the attitude of this group. We've just got to get our friend close to Jesus. They knew an encounter with him would be life-changing. But here's the great news. We don't have to bust holes and roofs to get close to Jesus anymore. Communion is a remembrance of the sacrifice Jesus made to free us from the power of sin and restore the relationship, the closeness broken because of our sin. It represents the reason we have a faith to speak of. Paul, an early church leader, wrote in his letter to the Corinthian church that if Jesus had not risen from the dead, our faith would be useless. Why would we believe in and worship a Savior who was dead and buried? Jesus did die. The bread represents his body nailed to a wooden cross. The cup, a symbol of his blood that was shed from the beatings he endured for us. The nails driven through his hands and his feet. The crown of thorns placed on his head. But his death was just the beginning. And these elements we take are reminders that Jesus is no longer in the grave. He's alive and living in you when you place your faith in him. Time and time again in the letters of the New Testament, our relationship with Jesus is described as Christ in you. He's that close. So take the bread that you have in your hand, Christ's body broken for you, and eat. Now, take the cup. Christ's blood shed for you, and drink. An encounter with Jesus is life-changing. Let's rejoin Matt and see just how so with the paralyzed man. All right, now I want you to see verse five again. Uh, this is an unprecedented statement. When Jesus saw whose faith? their faith. You know, almost always in healing stories, they'll speak of Jesus seeing the faith of the one who's asking for the healing. But here is the faith, not primarily of the man, but of his friends. Do you have any idea 
what the faith of one person can do for a friend. I mean, it moved them to dig a hole through a roof. So let me ask you a question. When's the last time you dug through a roof for a friend? When's the last time you performed an extraordinary act of servanthood for the well-being of a friend that you're devoted to? A friend is someone you commit yourself to, not because of what they can do for you, not because they're useful to you, but just because they're your friend. You know, I think in our society, we've confused friends with friendly people. They're not the same thing. In a recent flight that I was on, the flight attendant was very friendly to me. Uh, she brought me what I wanted to eat. She brought me what I wanted to drink. She asked if I wanted a blanket or a pillow. Uh, hardly anyone does that for me on a regular basis, but she did it. She was devoted to serving me. I mean, these were the friendly skies. She was my friend. And then we got off the plane and I was walking down the hallway in the terminal and she was there and my luggage was pretty heavy. And this was a really long terminal. And you know where I'm going. Imagine if I would have said, my bag is heavy and my back is sore and I have a long way to go. It's a long terminal. So could you carry my bag through the terminal? I mean, she was a friendly person. She wasn't my friend. You see, we live in a world of networking and social media where we have friends and followers and contacts, but when the relationship isn't strategic anymore, when the plane lands, the relationship is over. I mean, they may be colleagues, they may be like cordial, mutual, like beneficial acquaintances, uh, they, may, uh, they may be someone you know a little bit uh, because of you know, a connection that you have on social media, but it's not necessarily a friend. It's not a bad thing, but it's not a friend. A friend is not someone who is useful to you. A friend is not someone who is strategic to your plan or to your mission. A friend is not someone who likes your photos and uh, posts on social media. There's a big difference between being friendly to someone because they're useful to you and being someone's friend. So when's the last time you dug a hole through the roof for a friend? When's the last time you listened? I mean, really listened when a friend needed you, even though you were busy. When's the last time you spoke truth to a friend so that they could grow, even though it took courage, even though it was difficult? When's the last time you read through a book with a friend so that you both could talk about it and you both could grow? Let me ask you to be real honest with yourself for a moment. Are you a friend or are you, or are you just friendly to useful people? Well, these guys dig a hole through the roof and lower their friend through it to see Jesus. I mean, there is no record of them saying anything. It's not what he hears from these friends that moves Jesus. The text says he saw their faith. What did he see? I mean, he saw a big hole in the ceiling with four faces in it, you know, sweaty, dusty, hopeful faces, trusting somehow that Jesus has this kind of heart that would respond, thinking only of their friend. All they can think about was their friend. They don't worry about the embarrassment. They don't worry about what's gonna happen next. They don't worry about all, what all the people are gonna think. They don't worry about you know, having to repair the roof afterwards. They don't worry about all the interruption that this is gonna cause. I mean, they just think about their friend. And Jesus sees a little slice of what God intended when he made human beings. I mean, this is humanity at its finest. 
he sees their faith and he turns and he looks down at this twisted, motionless body lying on a mat before him. He sees not only a broken body, but like in every one of us, he sees a broken, fallen soul. And he speaks so tenderly, son, child, your sins are forgiven. This man has been mocked and shunned and judged by people who assumed that uh, his damaged body was an indication that he was spiritually inferior to them, that he was judged by God. This man is told by Jesus, you are clean, you are forgiven, you are righteous, you are right with God. I mean, can you imagine what that did to him? I mean, Jesus listened. Jesus is filling the desire of this man's friends deeper than they even realized. Because when someone is your friend, your greatest desire for them, deeper than the external well-being of their bodies, deeper than their physical health, is that things are right between your friend and God. If someone is really my friend, their deepest concern is the well-being of my soul. That's the deepest concern they have if they're my friend. These guys are this man's friend. I mean, their number one goal is to get him closer to Jesus. Do you have friends like that? Are you a friend like that? Well, there are other people present in the room. Uh, there are teachers of the law there, and you'll notice they had no friends to bring to Jesus. Uh, they're supposed to be the spiritual ones, but apparently they have no one in their lives who are hurting or confused or lost or wandering or needing Jesus. No one. I want to pause here to ask, who do you think was great in God's eyes in that moment? Was it these experts who knew so much of the, uh, the Bible, you know, who were filled with so much knowledge and information, you know, who could quote so many passages of scripture, who had so much doctrinal correctness, who followed the law so carefully. I mean, but didn't have a single person they cared enough for to bring to Jesus? Who was the great one in God's eyes? Was it these teachers of the law? Or these four unsophisticated etiquette challenged roof crashers that would do anything for their friend? You know what I hope? I hope we are always a church of roof crashers. I hope we always remember that the greatest sign of a spiritually mature human being is not a head crammed with knowledge. That's not a bad thing. But the greatest sign of spiritual maturity is a heart that desperately loves people and desperately loves Jesus and desperately wants to bring them together. While all these guys in the peanut gallery are sitting watching all this, they're saying to each other, you know, how can this man claim to forgive sins? Only God can do this. And of course, that's Jesus' point. Who can forgive sins but God alone? I mean, he's making a staggering claim here about his identity, that he has the right to forgive sins, which means he's on par with God. And then he says to them, just so you can see that I have authority and I'm not blowing smoke here, he turns to the guy and he says to him, get up, take your mat, and go home. And then there's silence and everyone watches. And obviously if this man had been paralyzed, all of his muscles, like in, in all of those years of non-use would have atrophied. I mean, so Jesus not only cures the paralysis, he throws in muscle tone as well. And the guy stands up, picks his mat up off the ground, folds it up 
and he takes it with him. I mean, he had spent his whole life on that mat. Now he would never spend another moment on that thing. I mean, in that moment, his world went from four feet by six feet to as far as the east is from the west, as far as he could travel. And not only had his body been healed, but his heart and his soul, every sin forgiven, physically, relationally, spiritually, he's the healthiest guy in the room. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Well, all of this story happens because somewhere along the line, this very, very unlikely group of people decide, we're going to be friends. And I think at the end of this guy's life, when he's old, you know, when he's this old man and all of his other friends are now using canes and walkers, I mean, he's still jumping around because Jesus gave him new legs and they've not been used very long. And I think he would say, outside of the forgiveness of his sins and his destiny with God, humanly speaking, the greatest gift of his life were not his legs, they were his friends. I mean, there's no gift like a friend. So what do you have better to do than to pursue friendship like this? Because I'll tell you something, you get to the end of your life, it's not gonna matter much how big your home is. Uh, you get to the end of your life, it's not gonna matter much uh, how much money you've collected or how fast your car could drive. I mean, it's not gonna matter a whole lot uh, how high you've climbed in the corporate ladder. I mean, but I'll tell you what will make a difference. The friends the friends you connected with on a deep level, the friends you laughed with and cried with and danced with and you moved closer and closer with and closer to Jesus with. I mean, that's what'll make a difference. I would say this is a huge part of our mission as a church, to live in friendship with God and friendship with each other. And if you're not in that kind of a friendship right now, you can't make it happen, but you can open yourself up to it. You can start pursuing it. You can start praying. You can ask God to guide you. You can take a little relational risk with someone in your life. You can start moving in that direction. And if you have friends like this, prize them, uh, cherish them. I mean, take that friendship as deep as you can. All right, let me pray for you. And then Michaela and the team will lead us in a closing song. God, I just wanna pray for those who are listening right now that you would bring them the kinds of friends that this paralytic had, friends that bring them to Jesus, friends that encourage them and lift them up and support them. God, if, if anyone listening right now doesn't have those kinds of friends, I pray that you would bless them in that way. And for those of us who actually have those kinds of friends, God, help us to cherish and prize and, um, and encourage and, and say things to those friends of ours uh, so that they know what they mean to us. Help us to live in this kind of friendship, God. We know it's the best way to live. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. We hope you found something in this week's message to take away and apply to your life this week. Uh, if you live in the Bay Area, we would love to have you join us for one of our weekend services. We meet on Sunday mornings at 8.45, 10, and 11.15. Uh, for directions or information about what we have for you or your family, your students, you can go to blueoaks.church or download the app today. Uh, and we hope to see you on Sunday soon.